I'm Kavazi and you're watching Studio One. First, I want to say welcome to Studio One. Thank, thank you for having me. Thank you for being here. Uh, can you just, uh, in the start, just introduce yourself? Um, I'm Kavazi and I'm an artist. Okay, so at first start, I know you're from Vancouver and then you eventually came to Toronto, but mm -hmm. let's talk about your early roots. Can you talk about what it was like growing up in Vancouver and the environment and going to school and everything about Vancouver? Growing in Vancouver, there's a lot of mountains and like there's the ocean and me and my family, we spent a lot of time going to picnics with other families. Persians are like known for having massive picnics. Um, so yeah, I was around nature a lot growing up and school in Vancouver, I went to, I got kicked out of preschool. <laughs> and so then we moved and um, I went to an elementary school near Deep Cove area. And that was a very interesting time in my life. Um, my family was like the only, I guess, cultural family living in our complex. So I kind of got introduced to like uh, racism, I guess. And um, it was very interesting living in that area. And then we moved again. I went to another elementary school and um, when I was around nine, I had a couple of friends and during PE class um, or PE, we would write short stories together during like dodgeball. Yeah. And then from that, I started writing um, poetry and then I kind of got like introduced to instruments. I tried to play the trumpet, but like I had really bad asthma, so I couldn't play for that long. And then... Um, yeah. When it comes to those like early writing, early short stories and stuff like that, what do you, can you tell me like what your early inspiration was and kind of what drew, what drew you into it with your friends, like the short stories? So one of the first albums I got introduced to was Lil Kim's first album. And I think it was called Hardcore. And I heard it when I was like seven or eight. Yeah. I think it came out in like 96. And that was like the first album I heard. And that's when I got introduced to like, um, writing and just like sexual like, vulgar words and stuff like that and then that kind of got me into writing short stories um, yeah like I guess the friends that I had at that time they were all into music as well like Kylie Minogue and all that stuff so we yeah. would just like write short stories and like write songs together and make like videos on on our webcam and things like that and it, it was always just like a joke and then I, I kind of started taking it more seriously and then that's how I like put it into poetry. Do you have a moment where you felt like you can remember where you took it seriously or was it when you transitioned into poetry and you started writing even more so do you feel like that was like the okay I'm gonna write poetry and I'm gonna like make music or like and, and like the idea of singing as well like why did it all like mesh together so i it was when I was in grade seven my grade seven teacher we needed um people to perform in the musical and she was like does anyone want to perform in the musical and like I was putting my hand up and um we didn't get along that well me and my teacher and like finally she's like okay I'll give you a part and it was a song uh, Shark Tale by Christina Aguilera and Missy Elliott 
I think it was working at the car wash. I don't know if you remember that song or not. But um, well, I can imagine. <laughs> yeah, so I got a part in that, and it was a musical, and it was held at Centennial Theater on Lonsdale in Vancouver. And um, I performed, and the next day when I was going to school, this guy came up to me, my mom, and was like, you need to put your daughter in singing classes. Like, she has such a strong voice and all this stuff. And it wasn't a very serious thing for me or my mom, but my yeah. mom, like, took it into consideration, and she put me in singing classes, actually, like, a few days later. And then that's how that started. And I did that for a year. And then I stopped taking singing classes. And then around like when I was 14, this girl from South Africa moved to our school and she played the guitar and me and her became really good friends. Yeah. Her name was Ashley. And um, one day we just made a song together and we called it Sticks and Stones. And then I ended up performing at our um, talent show at my high school. And then that's when things kind of started um, happening for me with, with writing. And also being introduced to Shakespeare, because when you're in, like, I think in grade eight, you get introduced to it. And, yeah. and I never was a huge fan of Shakespeare, but I understood it. And I kind of just um, made my own, like, version of it that, like, led me into poetry writing. So, yeah. And then, because, like, there's this idea of, like, making, you know, writing short stories and then you're writing poetry. When you made the transition to performing these songs and being on stage, how did it feel, like... Be, like being vulnerable enough to like see yourself in that kind of light in that medium like performing and people like looking at you was that like an easy thing for you like to those early performances or well before I went into the talent show the reason why I went in it because um I saw this girl that I knew perform in the talent show that we had that year and she inspired me to do it and I saw how fearless she was so when I went on stage I was like I hope it was I felt very confident about it because I was like, I know I can inspire someone else in my school to do what I did because I got inspired by this girl. Yep. So hopefully I can like inspire other people to get out of their comfort zone and perform. I never gave a fuck. Like I, I was never scared. I was never yep. like awkward. And um, yeah. And then after like people came up to me, they're like, that was so good. What song is that? And I was like, I wrote it. And then. Yeah, so yeah. it felt good. And then I did the talent show every year until I graduated. And I did, like, a lot of Amy Winehouse co covers. And then, like, I feel like the cool thing about the era that we live in is very, like, internet and culture driven. Yeah. And I feel like there's, like, this, like, negative part about it, too. But there's, like, this cool idea where, like, if you want to be an artist or a creative, you can, like, use the internet, put out your songs, and it's, like, you can just do it. So when you were crafting your first EP and you were releasing music online, how did your process in that go? Were you just like releasing music or how did you like go through that? So it was 2016 and I was going through a very new stage in my life and I had met someone um, who I felt was like one of my soulmates in life and that person inspired me to write. So I wrote like a really long poem, it was like a three minute poem and then shared it with some people. And then I started, I was working in the restaurant industry. So I'd finish work at like 4 a.m. And then I would come home and then I started putting some beats together. And I asked my dad if we had a microphone and he's like, we don't have a legit microphone, but I got like a rock band microphone. Yeah. And it was like dented so shitty. So one of the nights I came, I came back from work and it was like 5 a.m. And I plugged it into my laptop and I made my first song, which was Favorite Color. So I like produced that, wrote to it. And then I just put it on SoundCloud because I didn't know where else. I had no idea of like how anything works. So I was like, oh, yeah. I know of SoundCloud. I'm going to put it on SoundCloud. So then I started like slowly putting 
songs that I was making at four or five in the morning. There was like three or four of them. And then um, there was like local management, I guess. They were like listening to my stuff on SoundCloud. And back when I had Snapchat, one of them like hit me up on Snapchat and was like, I feel like you should meet this guy, which was crazy because three months before I was at Faded Festival and I saw this manager yeah. and I was like, I'm going to meet him one day and we're going to work together one day. So when I asked him who he was and he's like, it's this guy. And I was like, no way. So manifesting. Yeah. So then I went and met with them and then they gave me a producer to work with. So we took the songs that I had um, co-produced and they just kind of like enhanced it and made it better because I didn't really know how to produce properly. I was just kind of like putting beats together and then um, I didn't tell anyone. I worked on it for six months. And, like, it's not like I came out with, like, singles. It was like, I'm coming out with a project. Yeah. So for six months, I just worked on it quietly. I didn't want to, like, tell anyone about it because I didn't want anyone to have an opinion on it because I didn't even really have an opinion on it. I didn't know what the hell was going on. But the feeling I felt was, like, the best high I'd ever felt. And it was a whole new feeling. And I was so scared to lose that feeling. So I'm like, yeah. this is what pure happiness is. is like, putting all my energy into something that I love. And I was so scared of it, like, being taken away from me that it, in a way, did get taken away because I was, like, holding on to that, like, ecstatic feeling. Um, but, yeah, so then I released it, and it was so wild. Like, everyone shared it, and, like, there were so many views on it. I put it on SoundCloud because I didn't know anything about, like, Apple and Spotify yeah. at the time either. So, yeah, that happened, and then, like, slowly starts, like th things started happening for me, I guess. But it was a really cool process. Yeah. And going from that process and starting this kind of fresh idea and this new idea of releasing music, I know the last time we actually chatted, we talked about your Human Prescription EP. Like, what did you learn from the first EP? And then you brought it into that fold. Um, what I learned during my first EP is things won't be done overnight because I was kind of like naive going into it. I was like, I want this done in two months. And they're like, that doesn't, it doesn't work like yeah. that. Like these things take time. And each song took like a full month to fully like get done. So going into my second EP, I wasn't like, I'm going to make an EP. I was just making tracks. And I was like, I'm not ready to release this. I'm not ready to release this yet. So then I ended up releasing Sedative. And then I had like five tracks. And I was like, I'm just going to make an EP out of this. So I took my time with it. And um, yeah, I guess like patience is a huge thing that I've learned in between both of the, the yeah. EPs. Because the first one, I was just trying to rush because I was so excited to be like, this is my project. This is me. These are my lyrics. These are, this is my poetry. And then like, now it's kind of like, I'll just take my time with it. And if it's meant to come out at this time, it'll come out at this time. So, yeah. And now of course I briefly touched upon like talking about like performance and stuff like that. I know you've performed in Vancouver. I mm -hmm. think it was at the fortune. Uh, talk about that, what that venue means to you and how special it was to perform in Vancouver. So fortune I've been going to since I was like 17 I would go in there underage. Um, it's like where I got introduced to like dubstep and house music, hip hop. And I've seen a lot of my favorite artists perform there. Recently saw her perform there. I've seen um, Two Feet perform there. Um, I'm pretty sure The Weeknd's perform there. Party Next Door's perform yeah. there. Like there's so many artists that have performed there that I've seen. And um, to be asked to perform at Fortune Sound Club is like, very wild to me and they have like the best sound system too so when I got asked to do that I was just like thrilled and very grateful for that so like it, my guy friends they run hyphy and those are the guys who like put my show on yeah. and artist block so they both yeah. like collaborated and put me on and now going from 
the world of Vancouver to now being in the world of Toronto. T- talk to me about moving into the city and what you hoped from the city. And I know you actually performed at Canadian Music Week. Uh, mm-hmm. Talk to me. Talk to me about what you see when you live in Toronto. So I moved to Toronto before, like six years ago, and I was here for just two months and I like froze to death and went back home because I was not used to this weather and I didn't really have that many friends. And then this time when I moved, um, it was the right time to move. Like it felt so right to come here at, at that time, which was last summer. And I only had like one friend really out here and... Um, I kind of started going out by myself. And one thing I noticed about this city, it's like way easier to make friends than it is in Vancouver. And like I I was born and raised in Vancouver. So those friends came naturally through school. But I've heard from people who do come to Vancouver that it's very hard for them to make friends unless like you work in the restaurant industry, which could either go really well or bad because it's like a drinking culture. And um, so, yeah, moving to the city, it was easy for me to make friends. I feel like people are more friendly and they actually like, if they're like, we're meeting up on Tuesday at two, they're going to meet up on Tuesday at two. Whereas like at home, it's like not really like that. Um, And I really love the food here. The pizza here is so good. And the nightlife is really fun. There's always stuff going on in the city, which like I love in the summer. This summer was one of the most wild summers I've ever had. And yeah. And there's a music scene here too. There's a lot of artists. There's a lot of creative people, which makes it easier to connect with people and to network. Yeah. Comparing Vancouver's industry and Toronto's industry, I know um, there are a few festivals out in Vancouver. Mm-hmm. And I know like Toronto, where we have festivals as well. Seeing from two perspectives, where what's your like, I guess, parallel between them? In terms of like? In terms of like just being a growing like music industry. Vancouver's music industry is taking a little while to evolve. I have friends out there who have like started things like my friend Johnny Black. He um, does breakout festival. I don't know if you've heard that. Yeah, yeah, so he's from London and he moved to Vancouver and he's like, there's no music scene out here. I'm going to start something. So he from London came to Vancouver and started this whole um, whole scene for like young hip hop artists. And then there's... um, there's like artists that are slowly coming out, but um, when I, like in 2016, there wasn't really much artists that I really knew of, but now it's like, it's evolving. But here it's like, you know, yeah, there's been artists, but there it's like slowly starting to um, come up. But I, I don't know. I feel like in Vancouver, there's not really much room to grow. And I feel like when people do get to where they want to in the industry, they end up moving out of Vancouver. They go to like Toronto, Montreal, LA, New York, but like no one really stays in there. Yeah. I think it's similarly with Toronto too and a lot of cities. I think for me, I think a lot of the times the internet helps a lot in terms of like not needing to go anywhere. Cause yeah. you can, like you, you can release your music online and reach people and things like that. But I think it's true too. I think to your point, I think there's kind of the idea like you also have to move away too. So um, talk about moving to Toronto and performing at Canadian Music Week. That must have been special. Yeah, so like moving to Toronto, I just knew that was something I had to do in order to grow as a person because I've been in Vancouver for so long and like I know everything. There's like so many people that I know and I just felt very like routine and comfortable. It was very routine and I was comfortable. So then I was like, I want to go in an environment where I don't know anyone. And so doing that, 
which that was like very spontaneous for me, but because it was a spontaneous act, it makes it easier for me to do other spontaneous things. So like this festival, which at the beginning of the year last year, I was like, my goal this year is to be in a festival. And I had forgotten that I even applied for Canadian, um, Canadian Music Week. Yeah, Yeah, I went and met with someone at SoCan. They just like recommended it to me. And I guess I had like gone home and applied for it. And then like eight months later, I got this email. They're like, you're in a festival. I'm like, what festival is this? Yeah. And I was like, oh my God, I remember like I applied for this. And um, I was like, I need a DJ. I don't have a DJ. And then my friend Lexi DJed for me, like God bless her soul. And then, um, yeah, I did the show. And there wasn't a lot of people there. It was like mainly my friends, which Mm. is more intimidating than having like people I don't know because it's like you guys have seen me in all different types of yeah. light and now it's like I have to serenade you <laughs> and like but they knew some of my lyrics yeah. they were like they were singing with me so it was fun um but yeah I'm very grateful for that experience and I applied to like be in it again hmm. next year yeah. So, yeah so I know um when we talked kind of like briefly a few months ago about like music you released recently talk about thugs in Miami and talk about his teeth and talk about the so- stories behind those two singles and what you're planning for what's for those two so thugs in miami i was in miami i've gone to miami a few times and i'm obsessed with the culture there and there is like a lot of thug like people and um i think it was january 2017 when i went there and the, the i was there for like two weeks and the first week we went out and we were like in the club till 7 a.m. And you can like smoke weed in the club. You can smoke cigars in the club. It's, it's like it's so different than other clubs I've been into and like the types of people that were in there. I was like very attracted to everyone. Mm-hmm. And um, so then I went back again. I stayed for a month. And there was like some people I met and whatever. So Thugs in Miami was kind of inspired by experiences and the trip that I had. and. Um, just staying out late, drinking, not walking straight, like from being drunk, lost in the streets. Like, I don't know. It's just based around yeah. my experience. And then with his teeth? His teeth, um, I can't really say where I was working, but um, I was working in a forensic unit at a specific place. And um, I got exposed to a lot of types of people that I wouldn't have ever met if I hadn't worked there. And uh, I guess I like romanticized it a bit. And I would, like, go into the pool during my lunch breaks, and I would, like, write there and, like, watch certain types of people swim. And it just kind of, like, inspired me to write this song, which is kind of fucked up, but it is what it is. When it comes to your songwriting, there's the honesty to it and the vulnerability to it, writing about what you see. It's definitely the vibe that I get from that. Like, when it comes to that, like, how do you feel, like, then releasing the music? Because they're, like, you talk very deeply about your life and things that you see. Yeah. And then you know, you're kind of releasing these, like, personal, like, things that you're going through. Like, do you feel that, or is it, like, just cathartic just to release that? I'm very protective over my work. So I have um, certain, like, rituals that I do before I release something because it's a piece of me that I'm releasing. And it's not like everyone's listening to it, but I know there's, like, a few people listening to it. So it's, like, it's like doing a presentation almost, but you're singing and it's like words and like how you feel. But once it's out there, it's out there, like it's done with. And I'm yeah. like, I'm very proud of it. And I'm very proud of myself. And I'm like, that's mine. You know, like when you first hear it on speakers, you're like, what the, like, that's yeah. me singing. Those are my words. It's a track. And then it's like out there. And then I just hope that people can connect with it. Yeah. And now we're currently in November, December, where 
not only we're ending a year, we're entering a new decade. So what are your sights on not only the next year when it comes to music and doing shows, but what are your sights on just the idea of 2020? It's a new decade. Yeah, so I'm trying to move out of the city, and I'm kind of trying to decide if I want to go to New York or L.A., and um, I'm, like, kind of in the works of figuring out, like, how to how to get there. But I'm going to the studio tonight, and I'm, uh, I made a song two days ago, so I'm recording it, and I'm going to drop it on Friday. So I'm just going to keep making songs and hopefully, like, go on tour. Yeah, for sure. End of 2020. <laughs> and I think the best way to, like, end it, too, is just what you said about the growth between the two EPs that you released I think when it comes to like being an artist or being in the music industry it's all really about patience and just knowing like if you keep doing the work over time things will work out for you so that's like the best like advice you can just stay with yeah if you're just patient and if it's meant to be it'll be exactly that's like all you can as long as you're working hard towards that yeah for sure all right again I want to thank you for coming to Studio One it's been an absolute pleasure thank you again Studio One